You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it's everyone's favorite Stephen King novel, Drew Gasparini here with another episode of Now We're Talking, the podcast responsible for J-Lo's entire career. Today we get a little silly, we get a little deep, we also get a live piss followed by a live flush on this episode, and there's only one man who has the balls to deliver such an experience. Our guest today is best known for his work on Broadway in shows like Company and Once, and he starred as David Zlatik in the groundbreaking musical Bandstand. He's been seen in several TV appearances appearances, including his work as the spokesperson for Firehouse Subs. He was the face of a fucking sandwich company. I'm thrilled he was able to stop by the podcast for a deep dive, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're talking with Brandon J. Ellis. Do you want to hear about a sex dream that I had? Do I? Okay, so this is a very true thing, and it's fresh. This is fresh. This happened. Take a sip of your grapefruit drink. (laughs) This happened last night. I had a dream and mm-hmm. it was a sex dream. I, maybe I was a little steamed up from watching Bridgerton and I went to bed and it's rare that this happens now because I'm in my 30s and I don't have sex dreams that often. But uh-huh. this one was particularly awesome because it wasn't about the sex. This, I'm always great at sex in my dreams. Uh, only Exclusively in my dreams, I'm good at sex. <laughs> Outside in the real world, I'm, I think I'm miserable at it. So here's what made the sex dream amazing. Uh, Antonio Banderas was in it and he was, he was not the, he was 0% part of the sex. He was literally watching and like rooting me on. Was this Antonio Banderas of now or like Antonio Banderas from the nineties when he like. No, definitely. I I know what you're talking about. And there's, there is a pre Puss in Boots, Antonio Banderas Uh and a post Puss in Boots, Antonio Banderas. This was like, what was it? Desperado. Desperado. Yep. Yeah. That's the era. Very like I need I need him, this Adonis looking man with mm-hmm. the hair and the body mm-hmm. and the tan Latino gentleman yep. giving me big fat thumbs up. Uh-huh. I woke up so thrilled by the idea that Antonio Banderas was there kind of mentoring me during sex <laughs> that I'm unsure. And I'm saying this without a smile on my face at all. Uh-huh. I'm saying this dead, dead seriously. Yep. I'm unsure that I'll ever be able to have sex without him present henceforth. Dude, I have two suggestions for you. Okay. Number one, yes. you can have a life-size Antonio Banderas body pillow made. Okay. I've done the research. I need to talk to your body pillow guy. Yeah, it's affordable. 
Really? Okay. Dropping oh, the bucket. Really and, and I think it's like it's an investment in your future. <laughs> Clearly it is. Otherwise, I'm just going to dry up. That's the end of it. <laughs> Brandon, you and I have known each other. First of all, thanks so much for doing this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Secondly, uh, I am thrilled to talk to you because I'm always thrilled to talk to you. You Bad and I have been good friends for like a decade. I know. Is that it's right? Crazy. I think it might even be more than a decade. Longer than a decade. This is crazy. And the best part, I was just thinking about this last night in preparation to talking to you today. It was like, I got in touch with you. Because, and we're going to like fill everybody in and what you've done on Broadway and, and everywhere else in the world and, and who you are and all that stuff. But I, I met you because someone someone was like, oh, you need a cello player? This is the guy. Yep. And now knowing you, and if I, if just based on meeting you in the first place, I was like, you play the fucking cello? <laughs> like there, there is, I can't believe that's how we met. And now the basis of our friendship is a whole lot of fart jokes yep. and, and silliness that you wouldn't really necessarily, not to give give cello players this box to stay in but you don't come off as a cello, a cello <laughs> yeah i get that a lot um i remember it i remember it i think it was uh was it alex ellis alex ellis it that's right alex ellis connected us over like facebook yeah and yeah, it that's was your right. first show in new york right this was before Facebook was taking over the Republican propaganda market. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, this is back when they were just used for innocent things like finding a cello player. And yep. it was like one of my first big shows yep. uh, in New York at the Lori Beachman. And honestly, you were a part of like what turned into my career, basically. That concert was the reason, period, I got a career. Crazy. At all. Like, isn't that nuts to think about? That is crazy. <laughs> I think about that. If you go on YouTube, you can find these clips of like Titus Burgess and Jeremy Jordan before right. they were anybody's, before they were Michael Kilgore, before they yeah. were anybody's, all singing my stuff. And then like in, like the day after that concert, all of them became huge and famous. Yeah. Like it was, it was wild. <laughs> and thank God they did because it helped sell my sheet music. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, do me a favor. Tell everybody what, give us, give us a, you've been in one 400 or 100 to somewhere between 100 and 400 Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you, can you list what those shows are? So people know what a badass. Absolutely. Us I don't want to brag. I'm only going to list three. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when someone walks in the room while you're in the middle of doing pushups and you go a thousand and one, a thousand and two. Is that, yeah. I wonder if like, if I changed my resume and I just listed the ones and then put like a dot, 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 and then listed yeah. one and be like, just the stuff in between. It's just, <laughs> like, who has the time to list it all? Am I right? <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Don't want to brag. So here's the, here are the highlights. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, I made, I made my debut in company in 2007. The um, revival. The revival with Raul Esparza. Uh, that's and right. then uh, I just, didn't work for like two years. I was. You listen here, kids. That's how it goes. That's, That's how, how the goes. Broadway monster chews <laughs> you up and spits you out. <laughs> I remember, like, I booked that, and then as it was about to close, like ten months later, I went to an internet cafe to like draft up my next resume. And this was uh, back in 1994. 1994, like. when yep. internet cafes were yep. a thing, and I didn't yep. fucking. I was like, su- I subletted a different part at that point in time in my life. In my in my very early twenties, I was like subletting a different apartment every month. So I had two duffel bags, my cello, an upright bass, and a guitar. And I moved that from apartment to apartment. No computer, no anything else. Oh my no 
possession. Oh my God. And oh my uh, God. I went to this inner cafe and I, I wrote myself an email that was like, um, here's your new resume for your next Broadway show. And then I remember for <laughs> every time I sent like a packet in, I, uh, I looked back at the like date and it was two. the next time I booked a show was, I mean, I did little tiny things like in the city readings and workshops and concerts, sure. but you worked at Ellen Stardust and Diner. I worked at Ellen Stardust Diner in that gap. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, it was five years before I booked another major show. It was wow. 2012 when I booked once I, that turned everything around. Um, I had, I did, I'd say I restarted my career when I wrote Balls. And Balls, then, the musical, Balls the musical, which was, was, I mean, anybody who got a chance and it's, it's like 0.000001% of yep. the population who go see theater probably got to see the show. Yep. Uh, it was one of the, to this day, one of the funniest <laughs> shows I have ever seen in my entire life. I rolled out of my seat. I was laughing so hard. Balls, the musical. Balls God, the it was musical. so good. Ah, oh, man. Those were the so good times when I had the uh, the energy to live on two hundred dollars a week in New York City. <laughs> how in the world? Oh my! God. I have no idea how. I mean, I was writing. I mean, you know that. I mean, this is what you do. Like, I was writing yeah. all day, every day, working at Ellen Stardust Diner, getting zero sleep with zero money. Yeah, raising money from like writing grants and trying to get money from yeah. like these obscure grants that only give you like $700 to get the show produced. And then- there's a romance to that though. There's like yeah. a, re- there's something really like, I look back and I, I, during the time I wasn't even thinking about the struggle. I was Me like, neither. you know, during those, those lean times where you're like doing anything just to make it or get your show off the ground and you're working off like 80 bucks a week. So yeah. <laughs> it's, insane. it's insane. It is absolutely insane. I remember during that time period, at one point calling my mom and I didn't have money for any groceries. So I had to eat what I had in the apartment. Right. And I went to my fridge and I had this ground beef that was questionable. And okay. I, I, cu- <laughs> I called my mom and I was like, Hey, listen, if my ground beef smells like popcorn, can I still eat it? Cause it smelled yeah. like buttered popcorn. That's which is, I mean, it wasn't it. And she basically said, if it doesn't turn your stomach, you're probably good. I love I love that your mom's theory behind this is eat it first and then you'll know if it's bad. <laughs> she was basically like, if you sniff it and it doesn't make you want to throw up, you're probably fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I made hamburger helper from that very questionable ground beef and ate it for, I mean, several meals in a row. Um, yeah. But uh, so towards, yeah, towards the end of that, we got balls produced fine well we it got it in nymph nymph got yep. a little interest then that got it produced off broadway um it was not a success <laughs> but, not by the financial sense perhaps yeah. but like, you know, like i would say whoever I would say, saw whoever was in the room to see it would say that you guys accomplished what you set out to accomplish exactly and that, my mind makes like by success. every by every measurable uh, statistic it was definitely a failure <laughs> yeah <laughs> But <laughs> it did <laughs> it did a lot of like excellent I remember the main producer for that, I swear to God this happened. One day we were like doing bows at, yeah. at a very lean house for, at an already very small house that we were in. I think it was in just over a hundred seats in that theater. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, was that the Lions Theater at, on yeah, theater, at, Row? at theater Row? And yeah. I remember 
we go to Bows, and I could see the lead producer in the back of the room crying. Oh, God. Visibly crying. Always a good sign. Because he knew there was no way he was recouping his investment. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> and I was like, oh, no. I mean, oh, no. Definitely a lesson on the producing front that, like, if you can't afford to lose it, probably don't sink it into an off-Broadway show called Balls Musical, but... Yeah, I mean that's really on him. I wouldn't I wouldn't put any of that on you. That's really on this on this schmuck. Was that the guy who had the company Balls Vodka? No, no. That guy you guys was- were sponsored by Balls yeah. Vodka. And he- I remember you coming over to my apartment. We were, we didn't live too far from each other in Astoria at uh-huh. the time, and you came over to film a little goofy thing, and we were just drinking balls vodka. Like it was it was always accessible <laughs> during this time. Oh yeah, he was giving us like liters of vodka at a time. <laughs> That was a funny thing. This is another, like, just about the hustle. Like, we needed some more money to get this show produced. Yeah. And I just was on the internet looking for, like, ideas. And I found this company called Balls Vodka. And I cold emailed this guy, like, hey, I wrote a musical. It's also called Balls. Do you have any interest in getting involved? And I was like, this guy's never going to write me back. And he fucking wrote me back from a beach in Israel. And oh my like, god! Uh, yeah, let's have a meeting. Uh, we'll meet you at my attorney's office on uh, this date. I was like, "This is crazy. There's no way he's going to go for this. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never raised money for anything." He was like, "Bring yeah. us a business plan." I was like, "Cool, we'll do." And I like immediately googled <laughs> what a business plan was. <laughs> yeah, what, what the fuck is a business plan? <laughs> I put together this like this package for him with uh, with one of my guys that wrote the that wrote the show with me, who's like, got more of a business mind than I do. And I had a meeting with him, like at a, you know, prep. And then we went to his right. uh, high powered attorney's office. One of those attorneys that has like the entire floor of an office building. Yeah. And we went into a conference room and they were like, all right. And I was like, I, I obviously way in way over my head, but also yeah. just walking in there with this like false big dick energy. Like I had belonged there. And you guys like, want to make some money. <laughs> And they were like, you know, do you, uh, how much of this do you want to own? And we're like, we're not giving you shit. We maintain creative control. We don't want your input. Like just, and at the, end of the, at the end of the meeting, what's so crazy is that's so common in that world. At the end of the meeting, they were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take this over. And then they came That's back. like, I heard this story of the band Sublime. Uh-huh. The band, the band Sublime, when they got, went to get uh, their record deal, they walked into the place and they basically didn't say anything except for "fuck you." The guy brought his dog. The dog took a shit in their office, and then they're like, "You know what? We're gonna sign these guys." This, this guy. I, <laughs> you guys basically took your dog in. They shit on the floor of this, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Yeah, they shit on the floor of their office, and they're like, "You know what?" We're going to partner up with you guys. This seems like the right wagon to hitch to. Amazing. Oh, my God. And same with them. They were like, so have you ever written anything before? And I was like, "Uh, technically and literally, no. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You're bringing out book reports from fourth grade. You're like, take a gander at this, chief. Exactly. And there were, I mean, we had, we had literally nothing except for it was funny. I mean, there were, yeah. we had absolutely nothing. We had no social media following. We didn't really have much of a career to speak of. Man, in the room, when you say we had nothing but it was funny, in the room, that's not nothing but. That's sure. everything. You got, it, it was like 
I, God, I, there's there's always the dream of like, I hope one day people get to see this. And I don't know if there's archival footage that you could release at some point, because Lord, Lord knows, it might, who, who knows if that's the comedy that will work this day and age. Oh, but, certainly not. <laughs> you know, it'll be a career ender for sure. Yeah, yeah. But my God, the whole audience was fucking howling. I mean, like you felt that, right? Yeah. I mean, it was certainly like, I, I'll never forget that last performance at Nymph. Um, we, and this was, it get, you know, it was like a little taste of like what you go through when you see people see your stuff. Cause when you write something, you're like, is anybody else going to get this? Is right. it only funny to me? Right. Um, like I remember reading, sometimes reading jokes to Jen and sometimes she'd be like, Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's questionable. A, it's questionable. Um, so like getting to get in there and, uh, and Oh God, from first read through to yeah. that performance. Yeah. I mean, first read through, I remember bringing the script in, sat down at the table, we read through it. Everybody left the room and I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever been read out loud. Oh my God. Nothing is funny. Yeah. It's terrible. We are in yeah. trouble. <laughs> and uh that well which was a, a like a lesson in like once you of like writing something that you think works and then hearing it out loud and going oh shit oh yeah i mean like alex brightman and i have this talk a little bit on on our episode of the podcast we even talk about this time that we had three days on a train together and <laughs> yeah. on those during those three days we wrote a pilot that we thought was fucking like the the new coming of comedy. It was like the funniest thing in the world to us. Yeah. And the minute we're, we can't wait to show other people because we were sobbing, laughing. And yeah. the minute we show it to someone, the one person we showed it to came back to us and said, this isn't even a TV show. Like that was his only response. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like good or bad. He's like, this isn't even a thing. Yep. And that's, yeah. that is what it felt like. And at this point, like, that was the treatment that got us into the nymph. So when we read it, yeah. it was at the first day of rehearsals, like we were going to perform this. So we were like, yeah. oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like immediately went into a scramble, like we got to fix this. This is, yeah. this is, this is a fucking nightmare. People are, we, we've already put down an $80,000 deposit. Like this is happening. God, the money that you have to raise for nymph. It's so it's crazy. Insane. We were in nymph. We were in Nymph in the same season. Nymph My show, season. yeah, crazy, just like me. It was 2011. This was like end of 2011. Yep. Oh my god! Oh my right. god! It was we right were before. we were young nubiles back we then. We were. We were fresh and taut. Fresh. Yeah, we were taut, <laughs> pert. We were very taut, very pert. <laughs> we had Drew Galing on the show too, and we talked about a little bit that he was on a uh, really wonderful episode of Thirty Rock. But your your scene in the Thirty Rock episode that I'm thinking of, yep. it's the St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> And you are playing a drunk New York drunk Irish guy, yeah, drunk Irish guy in the middle of the street, and you say something like, "I don't understand your art," or what yep. do you say? What do you, is that it. the line? Did That's I get it? it? I go, it's like, is this the is this the part of St. Patrick's Day when we talk about our feelings? And then I turn to my friend and go, "I I don't understand your art, Kevin." <laughs> <laughs> is this the part where we talk about our feelings? <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. You're so perfect for it. So that was my first TV job. Ever. Yeah. And yeah. I admired, especially right at this particular point, I was thick into improv and writing and writing comedy. Yeah. And, and uh, so obviously I admired Tina Fey so much because she is like, you know, I mean, I mean the, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the godmother of, of that kind of comedy. 
And uh, I was like, all my hopes were so high. I was like, I'm going to get on set. I'm going to meet Tina Fey. We're going to become best friends. And then yeah. we're going to write 31 Rock or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I get on set and we get to rehearsal. And she was like, hey, I'm Tina. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And then acted like a fucking weirdo. The entire day, I barely spoke. Every time they talked to me, I would like shrivel up into myself and like. Oh my god! But I mean, it was fucking Tina Fey and James Marsden. Like, were like trying to engage with me, and I yeah. couldn't speak. Like, your I your brain, your brain failed you that it day. Broke completely. Like, oh my god! I couldn't. God, I was so awkward that day. What a. What a terrible example of what the way you're supposed to act on a job. <laughs> I think it's a great example of what to, how to act around the people you admire. Absolutely flip out and yep. have a meltdown. Yep. That's it. And right I did that to- with every person. That day I met Tina Fey, James Marsden, Kristen uh, Shaw, and uh, uh, Jane Krakowski. Oh, oh my all God. On set that day. And I was a fucking weirdo to every single one of them. So you, but the, the TV thing also turned into a really cool thing for you. Cause I think, I don't know if this was before you did bandstand or after, but you were the spokesperson. And this is actually funny because you called me earlier. Yeah. To like check, checking about equipment. When you call, it's set, you know, when you put someone's name and last name and then business, when you put them into your contacts, it says Firehouse Subs spokesperson. <laughs> Talking about how like like zero people were interested in the fact that I was doing the podcast. Like you've got all these celebrities coming on, and they're like, <laughs> "We've got a question for uh, you know the lead from West Side Story. We got this other question from uh, you know the the main hot character from the new CW show or whatever." And then it's like, "Who is that? The former spokesperson of a sandwich company?" The idea that someone someone reads the list of names of who's going to be on the podcast, and when they get to your name, they go, "Wait." Was that the, the, the idea that they know is so great? Wait, was that the former spokesperson of Firehouse Subs? That what if, that's what, it, what, if there was an, what if your entire Twitter thread just blew up with people going, "Oh my god, not that guy!" Oh, I have so many questions for him. Ask him what his favorite sandwich is. Oh Does he god. love the hook and ladder? Does he really love it, or is that just for TV? <laughs> it would have been better if they knew you from Balls the Musical. I think that would have been amazing. That this is what's crazy. I've had, again, we, we were talking like maybe 400 people saw that show. And right. uh, I have been stopped in the street more than once in Times Square of someone going, I saw you in Balls, loved it. And See, that, that's proof that it was a success. That insane. right there is proof of its success. <laughs> Yeah, and like the th- like, look how multi pronged your career has become. Like you go, you go off, you do amazing. People see your comedy chops from balls, your writing chops from balls, which are are very good. Then you go, you do uh, the biggest comedy at the time, which was Thirty Rock. You become the spokesperson for all these comedically charged commercial ads for uh, Firehouse Subs until they until they made a horrible decision Ugh. and said, "No longer will you be doing that for us." But then. You got to develop and create uh, a brand new musical that has, to this day, a wonderful cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it should have had a bigger audience on Broadway. It was Andy Blankenbuehler's directorial debut. You guys workshopped it at Paper Mill Playhouse in Jersey. Mm-hmm. It came to 
Broadway. I saw it. I sobbed my eyes out. I'm so used to seeing you do comedy. And here you are playing a vet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, undergoing immense PTSD from what he saw in World War II. Yeah, man. And you were the bass player. Remind me the name of your character? Uh, Davies Laddick. That rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> but you were tremendous. You were one of the core on uh, lead. It was, an, it was a lead ensemble cast. So there was like, like eight of you guys in the band. And uh, are you going pee right now? I'm going to pee right now, yeah. Are you actually? Uh-huh. Make it happen. Wait, everyone, this is this is real. <laughs> I thought this would add, this would maybe add to the show a little bit. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe this. This is a first. I think on any podcast in history, this might be. This might be. Dude, as you as you saw, my my career is just about breaking boundaries. You know, it's about. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! This is so good. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I thought you were joking until I heard the, the scream. <laughs> Are you ready for the whole thing? Yeah. In the industry, that's what we call a button. That's a button. Yeah, we brought it right around to the button. Wow. Right when we get to, like, literally the pinnacle of your career, <laughs> you, you, go, you go take a, a piss. <laughs> I mean, there could be no more <laughs> apropos uh, metaphor for the way this industry goes than the pinnacle of your career. <laughs> you pick it up, you piss it right back out. <laughs> hey, everybody, Drew Gasparini here with the episodical interruption. Is episodical a word? We are not sure. Charlotte, make a note and look into the word episodical. There's no one here named Charlotte. There's no one here at all. I'm all by myself. Anyway, I just want to remind all you listeners to go support our guests, and you can do that by following them on their socials. Find Brandon Ellis on Instagram. You can also follow him on Twitter at BrandonEllis5. That's the number five. And keep tabs on what he has going on. Each of our guests is an amazing artist with an amazing career, and you can have your thumb on the pulse of what's next for them. Hey, while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And if you've already done that tell your friends now back to our interview speaking of piss i'm i'm jumping ahead but i want to get back to bandstand sure you also you did the tour of the play that where everything goes wrong what's the name of that play play that goes wrong wrong. and you were in the clock there's a moment where you have to do if no one's seen this play there's a moment where for like comedic effect brandon has to be locked in a grandfather clock basically Mm -hmm. like a little coffin if that was me the idea of having to pee during that would have stressed me out immensely. Did that ever stress you out? Oh, dude. Yeah. And it happened all the time because there was, you basically, it's very close to the top of act two that I go on yeah. stage and yeah. I get locked in that clock almost immediately. So you're, let's say you got the top of act two for 15, 20 minutes. And then for the yeah. next, then you are very quickly run down to the stage and then I'm locked in the clock very, you know, almost immediately for another oh 20 minutes. 22 oh my minutes, God. I think. Yeah. So, like, if for some reason you drank a bunch of water at intermission and the, and this happened, you had to pee when you're in that clock, or worse, if you had to poop. Oh, don't brother. even get me started. Well, like, just, I, I, the clock doesn't flush. What do you do? The clock, and, and also, like, what if you just, you know, ate some... I don't know, things that make people fart. Let's say you ate a bunch of beans at intermission and you go into the clock. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a like avid bean consumer, but I do fart. 
I love the idea of the rest of your cast watching you eat a can of beans during intermission, and they're like, "Why do you do this to yourself you every night, night after night?" You I'm just having an up. intervention. <laughs> Listen, Brian, yeah. we gotta talk to you. Everybody, the stage here. manager pulls you and the whole crew aside. They're like, "We're worried about you, man." We love you. <laughs> and, then, and so, right after I get out of the clock, another person gets locked in it. So, oh, oh, so you leave them with a stinker. So if you end up. If you can't hold it in, you end up uh, lighting that clock up for another person. And killing somebody who yeah. goes in there into the chamber after you. Mm-hmm. Okay, holy shit. Well, that's all we're going to talk about when it comes to the play that goes wrong. Let's talk about Bandstand. And just give me, give me like, this This was uh, an important year of your life. This was an important, uh, much, for several yeah. reasons. Go ahead and tell us why. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, this so many things happened this year, uh, that year, um, 2016, 2017, 2017. Um, yep. I finally, like, this was a lifelong dream to get to, uh, originate a role yeah. in a brand new musical on Broadway. That's if, when I remember when I first moved to New York agents, one of the questions they asked you is, you know, what do you want to do? And that was universally my first answer was originate a role in a brand new musical. Um, so getting to do that 10 years Took 10 years, 10 years after I moved to New York, getting to finally do it was just amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, the amount of work, you know, I'd been from the all, I think the second workshop of that show uh, to getting to Broadway, I was in every version of it. And right. putting that kind of work and research in, I mean, we met with veterans groups and my, you know, my dad was a vet, my grandfather was a vet and interviewing them and imbuing the, the character with stories from their lives and, yeah, this musical uh, really, really touched the hearts of a lot of veterans of this country. It was, I mean, it's spectacular in that way. And, uh, but this, it was one of the most challenging years, I'll tell you, man. So that year, and it was weird. So there was so much joy. Like I got to, I was getting to originate this part. Um, I got engaged. I, I mean, like so many things happened. And then uh, during previews, my dad died. And yeah. that was... I had built a lot of the character on him and it was, uh, I, you know, and so much like he he was trying to get there. Like it was just, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before opening that he, that he died. And it was, it it was relative. I mean, he was sick. He had cancer, but it was still sudden. Like he went from being able to talk on the phone to gone in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's horrible. Which is horrible. And, uh, so that, it was such an incredible experience, but that takes a lot of your joy away, obviously. I mean, he was... Well, it makes the significance of the year about something something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it must be... It mu- I, can't, I can't share the experience with you, but, you know, just as someone who, who knows you and, and finally saw you live out this dream of originating a role and, and doing the thing and to yeah. such great success and what people were saying about your performance and the show itself... It was all wonderful things. And then to have the heft of a loss of your father, it, every, all your attention must have been just dragged into another direction quite 100%. quickly. How do you get back into, how do you find yourself focusing on the performance again? I mean, that, that is just so huge. Yeah, man. I, I wish that I could say that I was particularly good at that. Um, I just kind of like, I took some days. It, it was also just a so I was in previews. I told my mom, like, you let me know if I need to leave. She told me you need to leave. And I, Jen and I hopped in a car and tried to get there. 
and we didn't make it in time. He died while I was on the way. And yeah. so like, there's that guilt. Um, and then, uh, which I mean, honestly, that's the kind of thing that just like, hangs with you. Like I'm still not over that. Something that did happen from it. That is a, I don't know whether it's a positive thing or not, but as you just go through life as an actor, every experience you have is it adds to your, um, ability to be a good actor. And one of the things that is, that makes you good is just access to your emotional life. And boy, I'll tell you what, nothing cracks open your emotional life. Like the most important person in your life being gone forever. Yeah. It, it, uh, it opened up access to a well of emotions that I hadn't had before. Uh, the negative part of it was just like you said, it, because of when it happened, it kind of took my focus away from all of the other good things in my life. It took away for probably a year, maybe two years almost, it took away my joy. It was an interesting thing. Like I, I was living out my dream and most days I was miserable. Um, I would have obviously times of like reflection to be like, come on, man, like you are, you're living your dream right now. You have got to like try to live in the moment. Um, Because it wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't just originating a role. That's like a huge part of this dream. But you got to perform on the Tonys that year. You got Andy Blankenbuehler, who is who is humongous because of Hamilton and things he's done with him. And well, this was like he he brought a ton of uh, attention to the show. Mm -hmm. You're getting to not just act and be funny and be heartfelt and be charming, but you're also playing the shit out of an instrument for an original score. Like it really is. Uh, it was a dream come true. It is such um, so many dreams, yeah. But I, so I, I, I guess this is me as a friend saying I hope that you, you get to appreciate it looking back at least because yeah, no, I yeah that, still, that still touches people to this day. Yeah, for sure. I look back at it and I do realize. I mean, I, I miss it terribly now. Like to be able to to be able to live that again right now, like the way I would take more advantage of it than I did. Right. Uh, I took some advantage of it, but like you said, as soon as my dad died, I mean, you can take a mulligan on that year. Like, I mean, I was just a mess. I wasn't myself. Yeah. You know, my, your, your temper is shortened. Like it's just, it, it, it's a killer. There's, he was, you know, he was like the most important person in my life. Um, it's, uh, at the time. Um, but yes, it is at the same time, like there were moments like the joy I felt finally getting to perform on the Tonys and what's weird is like, and it's such like a defeatist thing. I don't know if it's just human or me, but every time I hit an experience in that year, it would always be like, I wish my dad was here to see it. I wish my dad was here to see it. Of course. It. That kind of of thing. course. Yeah. And oh it's my just, God. and nobody, you just don't expect to lose your father that young. Like my grandfather was still alive. So right. it's like my, my mom's dad didn't die for, I mean, he died shortly after that, about a year after that. Um, yeah. But, uh, my mom's dad was still alive. My right. I was gone. And it was like reconciling that weird, cause it wasn't just his death. It was the, it, um, it was out of order. It was, it's nothing about it was right. Not that it ever, right. not that it ever is for anyone, but, but, uh, that said, like it, um, what it did was imbue a lot. Like I would talk to him during the show and, uh, it would help, Sometimes that would help because you, uh, one thing you don't ever want to do as an actor is any moment you try to, you're trying to push away something that's happening. All it's going to do is, is take over your, your mind. It's just like, like if I, if I said like, okay, right now, nobody think about flat basketballs, whatever you do, think about anything except flat basketballs. 
And all anyone can think about right now is what a flat basketball looks like. And so you, right. you do have to get to a point where you just accept that you're going to be flooded by this emotion constantly and right. try to find a way to use it constructively. Um, and that is what I did. Uh, and it, but there were days that it helped and there were days where like, you know, that flood would come in and I would try to accept it. And then like, I couldn't even get through a song or something like that. Right. Um, right. I mean, I, I, unless you go through this experience, how can anybody understand, you know, yeah. unless, and even, and even then it's, it's custom made to the person because of their relationship with that, with their father when, when they pass, it's Absolutely. just, it was a shame. And I remember being there, uh, you know, just with you, for you, when this happened, uh, you and I collaborated on on constructing a song in honor of your father called Good at Building Things, just based on uh, the man that you looked at your dad to be. And I, you know, as, a, as an artist, I'm really glad that you did that. And I can't imagine how hard it must have been to perform that song. But to just get some of those thoughts down and collaborate on the writing of it, I hope my hope is that that was a therapeutic, um, huge. Yeah, it was, it was huge. It was, uh, yeah. and it was like a, it was a, also a learning experience that like, uh, like, I mean, I basically was having a full, full on breakdown that entire performance of that song. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I really thought I had like rehearsed it enough and everything that I would, uh, that I'd be like, okay. You know, um, but boy, I barely got through it. Just barely. I mean, in my entire, I don't know if anyone has tried to like sing through uncontrollable emotions before, but your entire throat just goes and like just shut yeah. down. You have no flexibility or anything. Your body um, starts failing you. Like all your, all your superpowers are like, we're not working right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But, but you know, I mean like just the way it translated, obviously it didn't come out that way. It, it was a beautiful performance. <laughs> hey kids. <laughs> If you want to go see Brandon have a breakdown, go on YouTube. <laughs> have an emotional heart attack on stage. Yeah, Jesus seriously. <laughs> and it's weird because there's this like, there's a mixture of like, you know, as an actor, you it, it's always a struggle to drop into a story. Yeah. And so that was my first experience of being like, I, I couldn't have been more present in, yeah. in thinking about, you know, the whole song was about my dad and you, there's, you couldn't have get my mind anywhere else, which is a, I mean, any day of the week, you can be doing a, you could be doing Shakespeare, and and you you're all of a sudden you're hungry, and all you can think about is hamburgers for the entire right. second act of Hamlet. Um, that's that's well, Hamlet. Half the word hamburger is in the goddamn title. Of course, right? I'm thinking of hamburgers when I watch Hamlet. They are not doing you any goddamn favors. No, have you ever seen his other show, Sandwich? It's horrible. Yeah. The, uh, a long forgotten work of William Shakespeare when he was yeah, under lockdown. Sandwich. Yeah. Baloney Sandwich was the name of the was the name of the show. Right, about the Earl of Baloney. Yeah, of course. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, website for details. Um, you guys, everybody who's listening to this, Brandon Ellis, the biggest teddy bear on the planet Earth, could actually lift a car over his head and throw it at you. He was built like a shit brick house. So I want to I want to move on uh, from career stuff and and this conversation that we're having and ask a couple of silly questions if you don't mind. Let's get on to the silliness. Let's start with the first one. Uh, I I wrote this down because I think it's it's funny. Just I I can't stress this enough. If you have not seen Brandon Ellis in person, he is a walking bicep. He is he is he he takes his fitness very seriously. He works out like the Dickens, and it shows. The guy is built like a Marvel superhero. Uh, What's the cutest animal you think exists? Oh my God, red panda. laugh no matter what the answer was but i love it it was very fast you had that answer and you also said, oh my god oh my god uh earlier brandon we were talking a little bit about bridgerton because i was informing you about my sex dream mm-hmm. probably inspired by watching bridgerton here's something i witnessed and you see it in a lot of movies and i kind of just i don't understand it and why isn't it talked about I wish movies were honest about this. Mm-hmm. The guy, Simon, the character in Bridgerton, for example, mm-hmm. he wakes up hungover. Okay. The kid, the kid that finds him hungover says, you smell bad. And then the family that's taking care of him with the hangover says, here's what'll fix your hangover. Some fried cod and some garlic toast. So he gobbles up a meal that must smell like poop, like actual poop. The next scene is him standing next to this girl he's about to make love to face to face. How come we aren't talking about how bad somebody's breath is in these movies? I don't understand when people are just like waking up unbrushed. He has cod and garlic toast after a hangover. They don't have toothbrushes back then. Mm -hmm. You don't see these people brushing their teeth at all. And if they did, they didn't have crest. It's not like they have peppermint-flavored shit to wash their mouth with. They just smell like cod and garlic toast. How come there's no, like, resistance to the kiss or there's no... Ugh, ugh, oh, you smell like a like a bog. How come? Your thoughts. Uh, bruh, I couldn't agree with you more. Just in, in general, there's that. Every time someone has, like, they just woke up and then they have sex and it's like, nah. There's no way you didn't go to the go get some mouthwash. No way. And Absolutely. Yeah. No. Then, Especially for a one. I. If I'm certainly that insecure. If it's like a first time you hook up with the person the, the night before, then you wake up and you're like, "Are we going to do a little morning thing?" Uh-huh. I never feel secure in myself to be like, "Let's start open mouth kissing first thing in the morning," because my breath must be so offensive. Yeah, because hers is too. For yep. Christ's sake, it's for not sure. like I'm the only one. I smell hers, and then I go, "Mine must smell just as bad." I'll take care of this mouthwash, mouthwash, mouthwash. Come back in hopes for some morning sex, but yep. not in Bridgerton and not in movies. Period. It needs to be acknowledged. It I don't think it should happen until it's acknowledged. And doubly, it's also a period piece. And those motherfuckers didn't wash back then. They had to wear wigs to cover up their lice head. I That's mean, right. They had was- lice head. They had fucking, they, they all had the rickets or whatever the fuck disease was going on back then. Yeah. They took a bath get, once a month. They share the bath water. And they toss the, they toss their sewage directly into the street. 
into the streets. So no matter what, well, maybe it, that's why no one smelt that bad to them is because there was always a surrounding uh, whiff of, of poop. You know, that back then people used to carry around little boxes with perfume in them so they could put it under their nose because everything smelled bad everywhere. Nobody was wow. washed. The city smelled like shit all the time. Wow. And then they go and eat cod and garlic toast and smash. Yeah. No way. No way. No. And you know, I, I love the idea that everything smells like shit already. And then they go, you know what'll cure this? Hey, come, have a seat. Garlic toast and cod. <laughs> cod, for Christ's sake. All right, Brandon, next stupid question for you. Mm-hmm. If you could have a, ro- a romantic relationship with a piece of furniture, mm-hmm. what type of furniture would it be? I think that would be a Jennifer convertible sectional. Okay. What it, what is which one is that? West, is or is this like a West Elm nice like a Mhm. Yeah, it's one of those fancy couch companies and uh and they have like a a like they have a little out a little, you know, it, it skirts out. Yeah, a little one little chaise on the side. Oh yeah, no, that is a sexy piece of furniture. Mhm. Definitely. That's, yeah, lots no, of, I, lots I, of crevices. I'd do a bath mat. I feel like they'd uh, their standards are lower, and they'd probably allow me to do things to them that, say, a couch wouldn't. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Brandon, two more stupid questions for you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is an overrated musical that you can think of? What is an overrated musical? Yeah, in your opinion, what musical is wildly overrated? Let's offend some theater nerds. Yeah, what musical is wildly overrated? Wicked. Wow. I was just talking about the other, like literally two days ago, my sister-in-law and I were talking. Lexi, I think you met Lexi. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We were talking about how Wicked is actually like, you think it's going to be like this old hat show. It's been around forever. But every time I go back to like see a friend in the show, because every year, like one of my friends is in that fucking show. Yeah. I'll go back to the show and I'm like, this is Disneyland in my brain. And I'm like having <laughs> the most fun ever. You know what show I think is wildly overrated? What? I'm going to get a lot of slack for this year, but Rent. Yeah, I feel you. Talk about this for one minute. Benny comes to Mark and Roger Mm -hmm. and he says, guys, you want to be an artist? You want to be a songwriter? We want to be filmmakers. This, that, the other. I'm going to build that for you. All you got to do is pay your rent. And they're like, no, (laughs) no. Grow the fuck up. Pay your rent. Like The idea that being an artist means, no, we're going to do it because we're poor. We're going to we're going to complain about being poor and we're going to continue to be poor so that we can, you know, do I am I reeking of privilege right now? Is that what I'm <laughs> no, not at all. But the fact that Benny is like, oh, I'm going to build the dreams for us, guys. I have the resources. I'm going to be your old friend again. I married that white bitch. She's got a lot of money. I'm going to use that money. I'm going to build our dreams in a castle on in the Lower East Side. Let's fucking do it. They're like, no. I don't want to pay my rent. <laughs> babies. Yeah, dude. I, um, I, that, so that's the first show I ever saw on Broadway. Yeah. And, um, I remember I was so excited. I, I mean, cause when you, when you've never been to New York and yeah. you're, you know, a kid from North Carolina, like Broadway is like mystical. 
Like you don't, you want, yeah. you know, you want to work there, but you never actually think you can get there. You like that. These are superhuman people. And, yeah. uh, I, uh, I, I did the whole thing where I came up and waited in line and, you know, sat on the sidewalk to rush and all that stuff. Yeah. I sat down, I got obstructed view seats. <laughs> I sat down in the house and literally started crying as soon as I sat in the seat. Like, I can't wow. believe I'm here yeah. being this show that I've been listening to. Yes. Uh, you know, I can't, and it was, you know, several casts in by that point, but I didn't right. give a shit. Like I just wanted to see that. And then the show started and I was like, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the same experience. I, I I actually got to play Mark, and I loved being in the show. It's mm-hmm. like, kind of like Hair. I feel like Hair is a lot of fun to be in, but right. when you go see it, you're like, "What the fuck am I watching right now? Like, what <laughs> is happening on stage?" Absolutely, I definitely feel that way about Hair. When I saw Hair, I had uh, again never seen it, and I had a buddy that was in it, so I finally went to go see it, and um, it. By the time everyone got naked, I was like, what is happening? Like, I didn't even, they don't even discuss why they're getting naked. There's just, it's just a show happening. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh my God, that's my friend's dick. And I can't unsee that now. I know they should have called the show Bush. <laughs> bush, 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 <laughs> Bush, 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 Bush. Uh, okay. Last question for you before uh, we say our goodbyes here. Mm-hmm. Brandon, what is something that you're horrible at? Basketball. Why? No hops? You don't have hops. I got no hops. Uh, it was um, – the way I learned was extremely aggressive because I was playing with people older and bigger than me when I learned how to play basketball. And, you were training uh, with the NBA. <laughs> I was playing with the NBA. Um, I'm also not tall, so that, that kind of kills the, kills the whole game for me. What but, are you, 5'9"? 5'10", yeah. 5'10"? That's That's – that's all you need to be in the NBA, baby. You don't need to be one of these monstrous six sevens. That, that's what's what's crazy. I uh, when you watch the NBA, everybody is the same height, so they don't look as big as they are. Yeah. And then when you get yeah. one, every now and then one player like sneaks in that isn't. Yeah. I mean, there have been some small ones like Muggsy Bogues and the small yeah. web that were like five four, five five. Yeah. When you actually see, like for instance, Steph Curry looks tiny. Like he looks yeah. like a small person. He's six three. Six three. That's isn't that nuts to think about? Like Michael Jordan didn't look big. He was six six. Yeah, I know. You're right. That's exactly right. These people are monsters from They're another planet. Absolutely monsters. All they are. But yeah, I am. I am bad at basketball. I mean, there's so many things I'm bad at. I'm terrible at a lot of stuff. But that's just the first thing that's popped into my head for some reason. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Brandon Ellis is miserable at a lot of mm-hmm. things, a lot of things he is bad at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, before uh, we bounce off this podcast, anything you want to say to anybody who's listening, just in terms of being a performer? Because what we have gathered here today mm-hmm. is the multi-pronged career you've had. It comes from a lot of dreaming, a lot, a lot a lot of hustle yeah. and a lot of hard work. And I hope that that is acknowledged when people listen to this podcast today, that it is not just something that gets handed to you. Mm-mm. I mean, shit, not to us anyway. You and I, you and I got to kick our ass. It was handed to me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, like, I'll look at, like, I'll watch something and I'll be like, yeah. damn, that was an incredible performance. And I'll look the person up and I'm like, 19? What the fuck? Yeah. How are you headlining a... Series regular on a television show, you're 19? Fuck you. Yeah, and then you, then you go look up who their dad is, and you're like, 
ah, it all makes sense. He's the president yeah. of show business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say like uh, a couple of things. I mean, you yeah, you can't you can't replace like just straight up hard work. I mean, just continuing to grind, 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 grind. Uh, kindness, I think, is a number one. Like, just be Absolutely. kind to everyone you meet, everyone you work with. Uh, all, all you know, support staff at every, like, make sure you are kind and everyone knows that you appreciate them at every theater, all the, like, you should know the name of every person on the fly rail, everyone that moves a set of furniture, every one of your dressers. Uh, like, it's, it's stunning to me that if, like, I bet you that that is not the case for a lot. And it, it's not even because it will get you thing. It will help you in your career. Uh, yeah. if people just remember you with fondness, but just like, yeah. This industry is so hard. Bare minimum, we should all be kind to each other. Um, Absolutely. And then I'll say also, like, don't don't cut yourself off from any corner of the industry. Do commercials, voiceovers, musicals, plays, industrials, whatever. Like, create for for multiple reasons. For practical reasons, that creates way more income streams for you, possibilities. If this isn't happening, then XYZ can happen instead. Um, and also each one of those corners of the industry will inform another one. You know, yep. You'll do a musical that'll make you better at a play that you're doing because if you can make, you know, the given circumstances uh, uh, real in a musical, then it'll be maybe even easier when you're dealing with a play that uh, gives you an extra, you know, 45 pages of dialogue to dig into your character. Like, yeah. or, or vice versa, maybe like for me, uh, musical theater actually makes it easier for me to drop into the emotional life of a character because uh, music literally taps into a different part of your brain. So when yeah. you're speaking words or singing words, you, you would then have the ability to access um, more of your emotional life. I think that's uh, one of the reasons why like having dialogue interspersed inside a song, it can work so well for storytelling, not just because it's practically an, an, you know a good way to write something, but you're, you're literally getting to dig into different corners of your emotional life to access as an actor. Um, but yeah, I think those three things, just like do it all if you can. Um, yep. and you, and you can, I mean, any actor can be in, in can do all of this stuff. Uh, it, it's hard. It's, uh, and then be kind to everyone you work with. Um, and then gr- you know, work, work hard, you know, like put, put in the, That's actual, right. put in the actual work from the man himself. Well, from, Tooting into a saxophone and company to performing, <laughs> performing on the on the Tonys to writing your own musical to being a spokesperson for a, a national TV spot and uh, all the other work that you're doing. Uh, your dad would be so fucking proud of you, my friend. Thanks, so and uh, I am so happy that we got to talk today. And you're also a groundbreaker because you're the first person in podcast history to take a pee during the interview like that is i'm here to blaze trails let's not count that as a small feat that's major i mean if if you can't blaze a trail with your wiener what can you blaze it with and you good lord almighty that's (laughs) what a better note to end on there has not been and that's where we'll end uh ladies and gentlemen thanks to our guest brandon ellis brandon i love you buddy i miss you i can't wait to see you soon back at you love you too my man I cannot believe still that Brandon Ellis took a piss on this podcast and we all got to listen to it. Wow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hey, Now We're Talking is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network, and you can find out more about me and this podcast at BPN, 
anchor.fm slash now we're talking. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. You know the drill. Find me at Drew Gasparini or on TikTok at the Drew Gasparini. Very pretentious, but still just as sexy. A special thanks to our guest, Brandon J. Ellis, and all of you lovely buttheads for tuning in each week to listen. Hey, make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcast. And if you've already subscribed, tell your friends to subscribe. Uh, keep tuning in for more amazing guests and new episodes each week. And also, guys, if you walk into a bathroom and there's an empty toilet paper roll, replace it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.